Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves by studying His Word. It's another week of Unlocking the Truth podcast uh, with Derek K. Mink. Good to see you, Derek. Nice to be here. Glad you folks are all joining in to be a part of uh, the podcast on Build. Mm-hmm. This is the uh, topic that we've been covering and will be covering for the next uh, few uh, episodes of the podcast, really feeling challenged by the Lord to uh, call not only um, myself, not only our staff, but individuals in the ministry to to rise up and build and, and further the kingdom of God. And uh, we've been working through the book of Nehemiah. And this week, uh, we want to talk about planning mm-hmm. and planning uh, within uh your ministry burden. And so let me just uh, kind of preface that by a quick little uh, recap, and then we'll pray. And I'll have you pray, Derek, that uh, our the Lord will bless our time mm-hmm. in, in the Word. So uh, in the last few weeks, what we've looked at is we've looked at our responsibility to uh, building. What is our, our job in building uh, the kingdom of God. We've also uh, looked at what is um, the relationship and the importance of our heart, where our heart needs to be uh, in ready uh, and willingness to build, but also having an understanding of what's going on around us in our culture and uh, what burdens us the most. You know, what is it that burdens us? Is it, uh, you know, say, for example, I'm I'm burdened with the way teenagers are becoming addicted to opiates or or something like that. I, I need to do something. I need to uh, make an effort to further the gospel regarding the homeless situations uh, in our country. Or uh, I don't appreciate or like the the stance on marriage and gender and and God is calling me to do. Uh, something about that and and whatever burdens your heart God calls us to action in that and and when he calls us to action in that there are some things that we need to do before we just get out on the street and start to uh, do the work of the Lord and that is what we're going to cover this week in unlocking the truth let's pray Almighty God, we are so grateful uh, for your word, that we have it uh, in front of us, that we can open it. Then, when we ask the questions, uh, what is it that you want us to do? How should we respond to uh, the world that we live in through um, the the issues that that burden us? What are we supposed to do? Um, Your word gives us the answer to those questions. I pray that as we go through uh, this text in Nehemiah, as we look at other um, places in Scripture, that you'll show us how we are um, to work, how we are to act according to the things that you have burdened us with. So I pray that you will bless this time and uh, that you will lead and guide us in our study. I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. I'm I'm really excited about this week, and and there's a couple of reasons I'm really excited. One, this is right in line with my spiritual gifting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other part is that I'm a visionary person, and uh, I've always made jokes um, about the fact that uh, the way that God has created me in my mind, I can picture drawing something, and it looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. 
It looks amazing. However, when I put the pen to paper and I actually begin to draw said vision um, of what I thought it was going to look like, it never turns out the same. Mm -hmm. uh, visionary people have a good picture of something that's down the road and how to get there, but they need good people around them to help them get to that place mm -hmm. and, and the right skill set to help them go. And, and that's what we want to talk about. We want to talk about planning. And mm -hmm. I love planning. I don't planning uh, in regards to setting goals and uh, what we're going to accomplish. And remember uh, in uh, chapter one of Nehemiah, maybe Derek, you can give a quick refresher sure. of what Nehemiah uh, got word of from his uh, buddies. Yeah, so uh, Nehemiah is is in captivity, and uh, he hears a report uh, of what's going on back home in Jerusalem. And the report that he gets is that the walls are still broken, um, that Jerusalem is in reproach, that they are in a state of shame because the gates are still burned, the walls are still broken, and they're not being rebuilt. Uh, and he goes into a time of fasting and praying, uh, of uh, repentance and confession for not only his sins, but the sins of the nation. Uh, and he asks God uh, to help him, to show him uh, what and how uh, he can fix this problem. Amazing. And here's the thing. We're not going to go verse by verse through chapter 2. We want to pull out key principles mm. from chapter 2 that uh, uh, account for planning. We have a fantastic study, precept upon precept, on the book of Nehemiah. We also have one uh, in the new inductive study series that you are more than welcome to. Go to our website, check it out, and, and you can study verse by verse. In chapter 1, verse 1, we are given... A time reference. Mm -hmm. And it says, uh, now it happened in the month of Shislev in the 20th year. In chapter 2, uh, we're also given a time reference. And it came about in the month of Nisan. So you have to go back to, um, if you had a new inductive study Bible, you'd go back and you'd look at the calendars mm -hmm. uh, um, of the time and you would see how these months separate. For, for our purposes, because we are limited in our scope of time, this is approximately four months after Nehemiah first gets word that there is um, problems in Jerusalem. He's prayed, he's asked God, like you said, for an opportunity to come before the king. Mm -hmm. The interesting part of all this, Derek, and this is where we want to start, is chapter 2, verse uh, 2, tells us that he, 1 and 2, goes. he goes before the king, and the king recognizes his face mm -hmm. and sees that he's sad in his face and he asks him uh, why there's sadness in his heart. Now, this is four months right. after hearing the news. What would your general reaction be that if you knew, uh, for example, let's use Canada. Mm -hmm. Canada was in great reproach, great shame, and I, I believe we are, that um, you felt a call to action your first, you then prayed, but God didn't do anything for four months. What is your initial reaction to that? Well, the burden doesn't go away. 
the the burden for uh, for repair, the burden to make things better, uh, doesn't just go away. Um, the difficulty is in waiting. And so four months after he says to God, um, make your servant successful in this, uh, in this undertaking to rebuild, he doesn't move. He doesn't get the plan. He doesn't say, all right, it's go time, and the next day head off and get things done. Um, and so for, it's four months, so he, the burden is still heavy on his heart. Um, and so the king sees this, the, the heaviness on his heart, and it's in Nehemiah's face. He can't even help it. It's not like he's putting something on. The burden doesn't go away. And so uh, what, what happens is, is that the king just simply looks at him and says, what's going on? What's wrong? Because he can just see by looking at him that he's not happy. The mourning hasn't changed. Right. He's still in mourning for for Jerusalem. I want to suggest here. Now, it's not in the text. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to make a suggestion here. Um, maybe I'll get in trouble for this. I don't know. <laughs> but I want to suggest that this is not the only conversation that Nehemiah has with God. Right. And that there is a continual going to God in prayer over this burden. I also want to suggest that over that four months, and we'll have scripture to back this up, Mm -hmm. that Nehemiah started to get a clear picture and vision of what he needed to do to accomplish the task at hand, Mm -hmm. which was remove the reproach and shame right. specifically by rebuilding the walls. Yeah. So where's the text reference and example? Well, let's take a look further into Nehemiah chapter 2. Mm-hmm. The king comes to him, Artaxerxes, chapter uh, 2, verse 3. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad? When the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies desolate and its gates have been consumed by fire. The king said to me, what would you request? So I did what? Prayed. Prayed to the God of heaven. He prays and says, God, here's my opportunity. Yeah. You've answered my prayer regarding the opportunity before the king. Mm -hmm. The king now wants my plan. Well, what does he do in verse 5? He, he lays out this, this list of things that he needs in order to do what he has been called to do. Um, in four months, he didn't just sit on his hands. He didn't just say, uh, you know, woe is me. He spent that time thinking, what do I need to do um, what I've been called to do, to rebuild these walls. What do I need in order to get that done? And then when, so when the king says, what is your request? He doesn't say, let me get back to you. He lays out the list of things that he needs in order to carry out um, the rebuilding of the walls. Right. So in here, in chapter three, or chapter two, sorry, Mm. we have seven steps to Nehemiah's plan. Mm-hmm. And so uh, these are seven steps that we want you to know and think about how they apply to your burden. So the first is, and it comes in verse 
5. I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor, you send me to Judah and to the city of my father's tombs that I may build it. So here's the seven steps. Seven steps in Nehemiah's plan. The first is, he's got to convince the king to allow him to leave his service in order to rebuild the wall around a city that in years past posed a military threat to the area. Mm -hmm. Now, Derek, what was Nehemiah's job in Artaxerxes' kingdom? He was the cupbearer. It was an incredibly important position. It was a trusted position. His job was to drink the wine and taste the food before it was given to the king to make sure that it wasn't poisoned. So it was a very important and very um, trusted position that he had in, in this king's court. Right. So if you're in a trusted and, and I don't know if it's a high position or a low position, because if he if he eats the food and drinks the food and dies, you probably go get another person. Yeah. But this is a trusted position in which he's now asking the king, can I leave mm-hmm. to go rebuild? Yeah. And so there is this idea of I've got to look to the authorities above me right. to determine how I can fit this plan. Mm-hmm. And and that's really important for us because we don't want people going around trying to build the kingdom if they weren't, say, sitting under the authority of some sort of leadership. Right. And it was a big ask. Basically, he's saying, can I have time off to go work for the competition? So can I, I can build a city that's at cross purposes with, with what this king might want to be doing. Like you said, it's posed a military threat uh, in the past. Um, and so, yeah, he's asking for time off to do something that isn't in the king's best interest. And so um, he knows that there's going to be some convincing. It's not going to be a simple approval for, for time off. Mm-hmm. So here, here's the second, second part is he actually needs to convince the king to lend financial support to the building project. Now, we'll come to those verses as well, but there's a third step, mm-hmm. and I want to bring the third step out as well. Verse 6, Then the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, How long will your journey be, and when will you return? So it pleased the king uh, to send me, and I gave him a definite time. He knew how long it was going to take to accomplish That's this right. project and when he was going to come back. He's thought this through. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I don't know how long it's going to take to do this. Yeah. No, the project was laid out. The plan was, um, I've got this amount of time. I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. Uh, look what he says in verse 7. I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given me for the governors of the province beyond the river that they allow me to pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may, he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortresses, which is by the temple, for the wall, and the city, and for the house to which I will go. The king granted them me because the good hand of God was on me. Hmm. Uh, I need you to write me some letters, <laughs> and then I need to take these letters, one, so I won't be killed, but I'll get free pass through the uh, difficult areas. I also need these letters to get enough of the lumber and the wood and the things I need to rebuild the wall. Mm-hmm. So see how he's thought this out? He's yeah. thought through all of the details. Right. I'm going to need uh, resources. Yeah. 
I'm going to need somebody to provide those resources. I'm going to need the, the support of the king to let me go. I'm going to need letters proving that I have backing and support mm-hmm. uh, behind behind my plan. And then uh, we get this great one, and I'm, I'm just going to reiterate, work out a deal with Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, to get enough lumber to build the city gates as well as a home for me. Mm-hmm. He wants a home too. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a big, it is a big ask, but he's done his homework. He knows what he needs in order to make this happen. And he doesn't just say, well, as long as I get time off for the king, I'll figure out a way to get everything else I need. He knows he has this opportunity. He's talking to the right person. Here are all the things that I need. I mean, the next step is all about authority. Mm -hmm. I need you to allow me to be over this project. Can you give me the title of governor? (laughs) I mean, you know, to go in there and and get that, that is quite an amazing thing. Verse Mm -hmm. 9, I came to the governors of the provinces beyond the river, gave the king's letters. Now the king had sent me with officers of the army and the horsemen. I mean, he had all these people backing him up and he was supporting him. And then uh, step six is what we'll be coming to uh, in the next podcast mm-hmm. as well. But I'll, I'll just reiterate step six and step seven, and then we'll come back and, and talk about them all. Uh, the first is uh, of step six is, well, we need to organize and equip the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. We've got to get the people that are in place to not only get to work, but also to share in his burden. Right. He's going to have to transfer his vision, yeah. his burden, to the workers so that they, too, will build, mm-hmm. knowing that the project is too big for him on his own. Mm-hmm. So he's going to get the inhabitants of Jerusalem on his side. Step seven, which we'll be coming to on our next podcast, is beginning construction. Right, get started. So let's go back over them again. He has to convince the king to allow him to leave his current job. Yeah. He has to convince the king to lend financial support. He has to get letters from the kings, from the governors, to give him safe travel. Yeah. He has to work out a deal. The king has to work out a deal with Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, to get enough lumber to build the wall. He has to get a title... Of governor because who's Nehemiah? He's a cupbearer. He's, he's nobody. How's he yeah. going to organize and equip the inhabitants of Jerusalem without yeah. any without any authority? And then he needs to begin construction. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a plan. Absolutely, this is a phenomenal leadership plan. Yeah, detailed from the very beginning. Right, and notice in the chapter two, there's no time references to. This happened another three months later, mm-hmm. that Nehemiah waited another three months and then took his plan before the king. He prayed yeah. and then laid out his plan. That's right. Why did he pray? Did he, do you think he prayed? Now, this could be just looking deeper into it. Mm-hmm. Do you think he prayed for the plan or for the response mm-hmm. to the plan? Well, I, I, I think in the four months... This was his time of prayer with God. 
and figuring out what was needed. Um, and then when the king says to him, uh, what is your request? And he says, so I prayed to the God of heaven. It was, this is it. This is my opportunity to lay out my plan before the king. Because that was his prayer in, at the end of chapter 1. Um, that grant him compassion before this man, before the king. Um, so the opportunity is there. What is your request? I think in that moment, Nehemiah said, all right, God, this is my opportunity. Help me to make sure that I'm laying out the plan, that, it's, that, that I'm communicating it properly, and that it will be responded to in a favorable way. I want to give you a, an example or a testimonial of what this looks like. And I want to do it directly from the aspects of Precept Ministries International in Canada. And uh, um, five years ago, I took over the ministry as a national director. Prior to that, as pre- you know, many people who might be listening know, that I served in many different roles within the ministry. And uh, I wasn't necessarily the cupbearer, mm-hmm. but I certainly was in a position where... Uh, I was not having the ability to speak input mm-hmm. for direction of where we should go. Right. And yet knew that someday through discussions with the previous leadership that there would be a time when I would take the chair of the national director. Mm-hmm. Well, that time was a number of years. It wasn't four months. Yeah. But in those number of years, I began to do some homework. Hmm. I began to ask some questions of Bible study leaders out in the country, thinking about how can we build, how can we grow the ministry? Mm-hmm. One of the complaints that I heard a number of times from precept upon precept leaders was they couldn't get anybody to come to their classes, their precept, you know, PUP classes because of... Uh, the time constraints, the, n- the number of hours that was being put into a class each week, five hours of homework, mm-hmm. an hour class, and an hour video. I mean, some people I met were doing 20 hours of homework, an hour class, and an hour video. And then they would promote it like that. They mm-hmm. would say, come to my Bible study. It's five hours of homework and one hour video and one hour lesson. Yeah. And people would say, oh, I can't do that. I just don't have the time. And as we planned, we we looked at our nation and we said, well, if people tell us we don't have homework, let's use a 40-minute Bible study and get people into God's Word. Mm -hmm. And we started training with that. And we started only training with that. But it wasn't until God opened the door and the opportunity for a transition that we were able to fully move into that model. Mm -hmm. And when we did, the plan was in place. It wasn't like, okay, we need to think through this for another right. year. We had, I had been planning for years about how we were going to, to move the ministry into the right position. Just had no ability. It's mm-hmm. like a horse waiting to race. You can't go until you pull the gate. Right. The gate opens. Yeah. And then when the gate opens, you have the opportunity. Nehemiah <clears throat> had the gate opened. He had the plan in place. And he made the most of his opportunity before... Mm-hmm his authority. So the question is, do you have a plan for your burden? Hmm. Do you have, have you 
sought the Lord for direction of how you will solve that problem that so burdens you. But sometimes the burden is so big, isn't mm-hmm. it? That we think we can't handle it yeah, on our the, own. The task is so great that we can't we, we don't we don't even know where to start sometimes. Well I think it starts with homework. And and why don't you show us, Derek, in, in verses um, when he gets to Jerusalem in verse 11, mm-hmm. 11 to uh, 16, what Nehemiah does. So he comes to Jerusalem and it says that I was there for three days. And I arose in the night, I and a few men with me. I did not tell anyone what my God was putting into my mind to do for Jerusalem. And there was no animal with me except the animal on which I was riding. So I went out at night by the valley gate in the direction of the dragon's well and on to the refuse gate, inspecting the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down and its gates, which were consumed by fire. Then I passed on to the fountain gate and the king's pool, and there was no place for my mount to pass. So I went up at night by the ravine and inspected the wall. Then I entered the valley gate again and returned. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done, nor had I as yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the rest who did the work. So he steals away. He spends some time on his own, and he just sort of inspects the walls. So he, he familiarizes himself with the work. Remember, all he heard was a report that the walls were still broken and the gates were still burnt. He didn't actually see it before he came up with the plan. He didn't see the scope of work before he asked the king uh, for help. And so now he takes these, this time and he walks around the entirety of this wall to see the extent of the damage uh, that, is, um, that is currently uh, the state in which the walls of Jerusalem are in. What's amazing about this part of these verses that you read, it all comes down into verse 12. How many times, you think about this for mm-hmm. a minute, how many times that God lays out a burden for us, and the first thing we do is we want to share that burden with everybody around us, but we don't know how to solve it, we don't have a plan, but we just lay it out. Mm-hmm. You know, this whole thing on the definition of marriage, I don't know... You know, it just drives me crazy. I, I want to be a part of the solution for that and, and join me. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. But, and then the people around you are like, well, what are we going to do? You right. know, how are we going to solve it? Look what he says in verse 12. I arose at night. I and a few men with me. I did not tell anyone what my God was putting in my mind to do for Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Wait a second. He has not shared his vision or his plan with any of the people that have gone with him. That's right. The only one that knows something is the king. Mm -hmm. And so he has kept that all to himself until all of his homework has been completed. Yeah. Now, precept, we love homework. But there are things that we need to do before we get to the building project itself. We've got to plan, Mm -hmm. put a plan in place, realize what resources we need to accomplish that plan, secure said resources, Mm -hmm. 
whether it be people, whether it be finances, whether it be, um, you know, anything that is needed to get that done. Then we go out into the area of the project and do some research. Mm -hmm. This is what Nehemiah did, walked around the walls and determined what had to be done. Yeah. He hasn't enlisted anybody to get to work yet. Yeah. Well, that's one thing you need to do. Develop a plan for investigating the environment surrounding your vision. Mm -hmm. Look around, do research, ask some questions, and then best come up with the plan to solve that. But there's three things that keep people from investigating and doing their homework. And so that's what I wanted to leave us with, these three things that mm-hmm. stop us from properly doing our homework. And we've got some verses that Derek will give us, but here are the three things. The first is impatience. Well, sometimes we might say to ourselves, I don't have time to walk around a bunch of broken walls. Besides, I already know what the problem is. Let me just get to work. Mm-hmm. This is like, you know, people might say, well, that's... A typical man. Yeah, I'll just I'll just fix it. Yeah. I'll just get in there and fix it. You don't know what your problem is, but I do, and I'm going to solve your problem. That's what we do well. Mm-hmm. We, we, we're problem solvers. That's right. We want a solution right away, and we want to get to work before we do all of the investigation. Yeah. So impatience is a problem. And what, what does the Bible say regarding impatience? We have a story from the scriptures. Yeah. If you look at Second uh, Chronicles uh, chapter 20, um, we are sort of dropped into this moment in uh, the time of Israel. And uh, King Jehoshaphat, is, uh, he's, he's the current king, and a report comes to him saying that people are coming against him, that armies are amassed, and they are coming to attack. And in verse 3, we see Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. He didn't start to get his army together. He didn't bring his generals in and say, tell me what we're going to do. The first thing he did is he went and he um, turned his attention to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast through all of Judah. He stands in the assembly um, and he says, O Lord, the God of our fathers, are you not the king in the heavens? Are you not the ruler over the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand so that no one did stand against you. Did you not drive out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel? Give it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever. He goes on and he he talks about all the things that God has done and how mighty God has been for them. And um, he stands before, uh, all of Judah stands before the Lord in verse 13 with their infants and with their wives and with their children. Verse 18 says, Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face on the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping him. He doesn't start He doesn't leap into action. He goes to the Lord and God gives him a plan, which doesn't really sound like much of a plan. He says, God tells him to just wait and see what I am going to do. Worship me and see how I will deliver. Um, uh, I will bring you salvation. I'll deliver you from these enemies. Yeah, sorry. Another great example, Derek, is is, uh, Moses sending out the 12 spies. Mm -hmm. 
you know, you didn't just go into the promised land before you did some research in who was already there and the right. reports came back. Yeah. But we don't want to do that. We don't want to be impatient. We, you know, we want to be impatient. We just right. want to get it done. We see the problem and we just want to fix it. Let's look at the next one. The next one is pride. Well, what's the point of walking around broken down walls? Mm-hmm. What could I possibly learn from these broken walls that I don't know already? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a terrible attitude. Yeah. And Proverbs is filled with, um, with wisdom when it comes to pride. Um, in 26, 12, it says, Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. A lot of times we think we know what we're doing. We think we know what we should do. We know how to fix this problem. Well, all we have to do is this. We just have to do this. But the problem a lot of times is more complicated than how it looks on the face. And, uh, and what happens is, is we try and fix just the problem that's right in front of us without understanding that there are underlying issues, that there are contributing factors, that if we don't address those things, then that problem is going to keep coming up. And all we're doing is dealing with symptoms instead of um, addressing an underlying uh, disease. And so when we look at a problem and we say, well, I'll just do this and the problem will be fixed. Uh, what we're, we're not doing is we're not allowing ourselves to understand what the problem actually is. And if we're not dealing with the underlying issues, then we're never going to fix the problem. What ends up happening because of pride is you end up having to do more work than you originally needed to do in mm-hmm. the first place. Yeah. And, and the other thing with pride is pride leads to impatience. Mm-hmm. Well, I can solve the problem and do it right away. Why do I need to walk around the walls? I know exactly what I need to do. I need to rebuild the walls. Mm-hmm. But going and doing the homework and allowing ourselves to have a good understanding of what we're up against... What are some of the opposition that we're going to face? What are some of the struggles that we're going to have? What are some of the things that we may not, we may be able to do quicker and easier in a short term versus a long term solution? Mm -hmm. But pride doesn't allow us to think through those things because pride just wants us to get right to work. Here's the last thing that stops people from doing proper investigation. And it's simply this fear. Mm. I'm afraid. If I go out and investigate the problem and I realize how bad things are, I'm going to get discouraged. Mm-hmm. And one of the most interesting questions that I have ever been asked as a leader is what will happen if your vision doesn't come to fruition? Mm-hmm. What will you do if your vision doesn't you know, isn't seen through to the end. I mean, if you think about that, that can cause a great amount of fear. Yeah. Because you believe that God has given you this vision. He's given you this plan. You're proceeding with the plan, Mm -hmm. but then things are not going as you, you picture. Just like when I start the drawing of my picture, when Mm -hmm. I see it, it's not coming out the same. And it can be very discouraging and therefore lead us to not want to do the proper amount of investigation mm-hmm. and even give up. Yeah. In 
Nehemiah chapter 2, in verse 10, it tells us that the enemies begin to rise up. It was very displeasing to them that someone had come to seek the welfare of the sons of Israel. Mm. This is the beginning of some great opposition that Nehemiah and the Israelites are going to face when they go to build the wall. And this is what happens. You get fear and you become discouraged and you look around you and say, the project that I want to accomplish, my burden is way too big Mm -hmm. and I can't do it alone. Or it's it's just going to be way too hard. And, uh, you know, we may be able to do it, but it's not going to be easy. And so I'd rather, I'd rather give up than do something difficult. That's right. And so this is why it's so vital for us as a ministry to be producing this podcast, Unlocking the Truth, and specifically this topic of build. Mm-hmm. Because it's our desire, it is our vision that all of Canada study the Bible inductively with precept ministries. Yeah. Not 10,000 people, not 30,000 people. Our, our hope and our vision is 38 million people. Mm-hmm. Because when we get more and more people studying the Word of God, we don't have battles for truth. That's right. We have truth because it comes through the Word of God. We have full churches that aren't suffering from volunteering problems. Mm -hmm. We have churches that are not selling their buildings to be turned into condominiums because there's not enough funds and resources. We have people who are viewing the world biblically, making disciples intentionally through the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. This is our vision. This is our desire as a ministry. And our call is to take this plan that God has given us and put it into place and then take on number seven of Nehemiah's plan, which is what? To get started, to get going, begin that construction, start building. That's right. So join us on the next podcast as we talk about the principles of getting to work. Let's pray. God, we do come before you again, and we are thankful for what you are showing us in your word. Father, that you have given us opportunity, you've given us opportunity to share the gospel, give us an opportunity to reach our nation with your word through inductive Bible study. Father, praying for those who are listening, that uh, as they seek to find answers to um, work at their burden or minister to their burden that they may have for this country, for their community, for their church, for their home, that you would give them insight in how they can get to work. So we pray for the remaining weeks of this podcast and the practical solutions that we'll have for how we can further your kingdom here in Canada. In your name we pray. Amen. For more information on Precept Ministries Canada, visit us online at www preceptministries.ca or call us at 877-234-2030.